Our reading today, or our, our passage today, is from Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Amen. Thanks, Christine. Uh, well, good morning. If you're new to Scarlet City Church, thank you for joining us. My name is Jay O'Brien, and I have the privilege of serving as a lead pastor here. And we would love to meet you after our worship gathering at the connection table in the lobby, uh, get to know you a little bit and share about who we are at Scarlet City. Well, this summer we're going through a number of psalms, and psalms are an opportunity for us to consider how to live authentically with God, how to relate to God in a hard and fallen world. And, and here, one of the emotions we see David, who's written this psalm, is experiencing is fear. Anytime someone says, uh, whom shall I fear, or to whom shall I be afraid, there's probably some element of fear. <laughs> David is experiencing fear. In life, we can experience fear. And fear is a very powerful emotion. When you have legitimate, strong fear, it, it shapes you, it changes you, it, it reforms your behavior. Uh, you've heard maybe of uh, responding to fear with fight or flight. And psychologists will actually say there's fight, flight, or freeze. Another F. Three, three responses to fear. Sometimes we're tempted to fight it out when you're afraid. You want to fight. Or, or other times you, you're, you run away in fear. Other times you, you freeze. You tense up. You're, you're just paralyzed in fear. And, but fear is a very natural response. And in fact, it's for our good when you're in a, a harmful situation to respond in appropriate ways. And, and it's interesting to see how people respond in particular situations. Uh, Megan and I, my wife and I, we, we both went to the same college. We went to Florida Gulf Coast University in South Florida. And on campus, if you were just walking around, 
just a forewarning, if you, if you go down there and you're like, hi, this is where, this is a famous place. This is where Jay and Megan went. I'll wander the campus and see what I find. There's a good chance you might find some alligators. Just there, you'll be walking and you'll look over and there is a, an alligator and there's not, it's not, you're not, you're not at the zoo, right? There's no fence either. It'll just be right over there. And then you feel weird though because other people are just walking by and you like, hey, there's an alligator. Oh yeah, yeah. You know. People might even have names for the alligator. It's just, you see the alligators on campus. It's, it's there. You might be a little afraid, but you see everyone else. All right, so maybe that's okay. But there's another animal on campus that people know to be terrified of, and that is wild boars. There will be wild boars on our campus. And I'm not, don't think like Timon from Lion King, right? They don't sing. Right? There's no, they don't sing. They chase you. These are mean boars. They will run after you. In fact, one particular situation, there was a group of us. We were walking around campus. It was at night. And, uh, and Megan was there, and all of a sudden, you know, you're walking. I don't know what we're talking about, but something. And then there's, the, the bushes start ruffling real fast, and you hear like, you know, I don't want to make boar sounds, but boar sounds. <laughs> and what do you do? You run. So the group of us ran. I'm running, you know, and I can be afraid. So I'm, I'm leading the pack, run. And I look back, and Megan is laughing. She's just there. She's frozen, not running. And she didn't turn and fight the boar either. Right? She wasn't fighting the boar. She didn't like karate. Yeah. No, she is just laughing. She just froze up in the moment. And that's how, if you ever see Megan laugh, she's probably terrified. You know, so. and, but the boar didn't come out. I don't know if it thought it was tough and it saw Megan there laughing at it. Like, oh my goodness, I can't even scare her. You know, I... Just wandered back off. But it's interesting how we respond in moments of fear. And, and those moments, they're for our good. But sometimes, sometimes, fear isn't just an acute situation, but it can become chronic. And that's what we call anxiety. Where we have situations in life, episodes, experiences, and the responses that we have, the the fight or the flight or the freeze moves beyond just that acute specific situation and it can grow to have the power to dominate our life. You might in one situation have been running from a wild boar, but, but then in life you can be afraid to just go on a walk outside for fear of something happening to you. You might have an experience of a parent or a teacher, or an authority figure that, that they just are always reminding you of your failures. In school, your grades aren't enough. In sports, you can't do enough. And so in life, you develop this voice that says that's an anxious voice. And maybe, maybe because of those experiences, you, you run. You don't want to enter into conflict or challenges. You don't want to put yourself out there because you're afraid of failing. And so you, you're not going to try. Or maybe you respond by fighting in life. You're going to be perfect. You are going to get straight A's, the right job, make a lot of money to prove everyone who ever doubted you wrong. So you're motivated by these experiences. 
Maybe you freeze up. You just, anytime a conflict comes, a challenge comes, you're paralyzed. You can't move forward. We have these experiences. Some of us, some of our acute experiences that drive our fear are dark, dark experiences of abuse. And so that leads us experiences of abuse. Maybe we, we run from relationships. We can run from commitment. Maybe we, we fight. We, often people who abuse others were abused themselves. Or we freeze up and under any kind of authority figure or, or relationship, we're afraid of, of what can happen. Fear-inducing moments are powerful. We're reading a psalm where David is going to recount for us some experiences that drive fear. And yet in these moments that would naturally produce fear, we see faith emerge. How can that not just be the story of David, but be the story of my life and your life? How in the moments that can induce paralyzing fear and anxiety, how can we find freedom to move forward in faith? This morning, as we look at this poetic prayer, let's consider that. How in the face of fear, we can have faith. The first thing we'll notice in this prayer that we need, that David experiences, we need a faith that's personalized. Genuine faith personalizes God's promises. We see it at the very beginning. David, he says, the Lord is not just a light. He doesn't say the Lord is the salvation even, or the Lord is the refuge for you. He says the Lord is my light. He's my salvation, my, the stronghold of my life. He personalizes it. And we see it throughout the psalm. He says, of whom shall I be afraid? You see, David needs a personal faith because he has personal pain and problems. In verse 2, he says, when evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, verse 3, Though an army encamp against me, <laughs> David experiences pain in a very personal way. And when he says this, when he talks about an army encamped against him, he has very specific people in mind, very specific situations. He's not just theoretical. There's a difference between general and personal. General can be hypothetical. It can be theoretical. It can be, I've, I've heard I've heard of persecution that can happen. I've heard of racism. I've heard that uh, pain can be a part of life. Personal, though. Personal. That's when it's not just heard, but it's felt, experienced. David had personal pain. In the text, he talks about these evildoers who assail me. There's some people he had in mind. One notable figure in David's life who wanted to kill him was a man named King Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel, and Saul was a very anxious man. He was very anxious. He was afraid often. In fact, David, he wanted to care for Saul, and so 
There were times when, when David would enter into the presence of Saul and he would play him music to soothe his soul. And, and, and when we're anxious, music can, can help. Also, David, he always honored Saul. He always tried to honor him and remind him of that and speak well to Saul. And in fact, on one situation, you may have heard the story of Goliath, where Saul was afraid and the Israelite army was afraid of the Philistines and this giant Goliath who had the power. And David stood in the gap. David, as we're reminded, he took a rock and a slingshot and defeated Goliath in an act of faith. David would stand in the gap. And yet Saul, this, Saul would respond because of his anxiousness and fear persecuting David, trying to kill David. David was a threat. But it wasn't just confined to Saul. In fact, in verse 10, David, he says this, for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but God takes me in. David, as a child, was forsaken by his dad. In fact, on one occasion, a prophet went to Jesse, David's father, and he said, you are, one of your sons will be king. And the prophet goes out, and if you ever get that memo, right, the prophet says, one of your children are going to be the king, and I'm coming to your house to tell you what it is. Okay, you know, this is, this is happening. You probably cleaned the house. You're probably wanting to put your best foot forward. And so what Jesse does is he gets six of his seven sons to show to the prophet, saying, surely one of these sons will be the king. David was not allowed to be present. In fact, even in the Hebrew scriptures, his dad, Jesse, thought of David as a runt. He's a runt. Has anyone ever viewed you that way? Someone's important is coming. You're not, you're not qualified to be here in this conversation. No. no, you stay away. Someone has looked at you and they've seen, said, you're too small, too small. You, David, go, go write your prayer. You, go, go, go do your poetry, David. Talking about grown-up stuff here now, king stuff. Anyone ever looked at you that way, too small? Maybe you're too big. Maybe you're a woman. Someone says, oh, you're a woman here. You're a man here. Not going to allow you to lead in this kind of space. You're too young, too young, you know. You're too old. You know, it's, we're looking for a youth movement. You're of the past. That's personal. <laughs> That's personal pain. And to move forward in faith in the midst of the personal pains of life, you need, you need a personal God. Like David, you know, God must become not just a light, your light. God must become not just a salvation for the nations, but your salvation. God isn't just a stronghold. He's your stronghold. In fact, the Hebrew term here for stronghold, the idea is refuge. God becomes a refuge, a safe place Walls to protect the refugees is what God becomes. God must become personal. Recently, I, had a, I was meeting with a friend who's just struggling with some hard things and feeling defeated. 
And in our conversation, I, I asked him, you know, what is it that you, you want? You know, what are you hoping for in this season? I was really struck by his response. I think it really reflects, I think, a healthy desire for God. He said, I want God, I want to know what God's name for me is. I want to know God's name for me. You know, in the Bible, we see at times God calling someone by a special name. That we would pursue God in that way. That, we, that, we, that he doesn't just know our name, but he has a name for us. When it comes to faith, don't just settle for listening to sermons. Don't just settle for reading the Bible or talk about God. Those are good things. Please listen to sermons. Talk about God. Read your Bible, read about God, but wrestle with God. Talk to God. Go to the source. Go to the source. Personal pain requires personal walk with God. Integrating his promises for our lives personally. But also, when you personalize your faith, that leads you to live it out, to work it out. Faith isn't just something you believe in. Faith shapes how you engage the world. Faith works in light of God's power. Faith works in light of God's power. It looks at life through the lens that says there is a God and he is good and he is able and he is active. In our text, David is praying and prayer itself is a declaration of God's, of God dependence. He's praying and And who is the light that David needs? When he says, my light, my salvation, who who is? It's God. David's response to, to the pains is not, I can do this. Look out, Saul. Look out, world. Mom and dad, no, you're in the past. I'm David. I'm gonna be somebody. No, he he looks at God. Has faith in him, trusting God, God is his light and salvation and stronghold. And and as we talk about this, there's a tension here, right? A tension that we we often go back and forth between. The tension for some of us, it's about self-dependence, self-reliance, control. It looks at life and it says there's either there's no God or he just created the world and left us up to figure it out. But he's not going to intervene, so I'm, it's on me. People can't really be trusted. They'll disappoint you. In fact, they're just going to try to take from you, so look out for yourself. Self-reliance, self-dependence often leads to arrogance and anxiety. Because you can look at life through the lens that says you have to control, you have to thread the needle perfectly or else chaos will break loose. There's self-dependence. But then on the other side is self-depreciation. It's to look at pains and problems and to think, oh, you, oh well, you know, woe, woe is me. God, this is your fault. God, if you do not act in, on my timing and in my ways, you're not really involved. It's to blame other people. It's to take no ownership of a situation. That our prayers are just, God, hey, you work and figure it out, and please, God, rescue the people in need. I will just pray. 
And this can lead to anxiety too because it, it's powerlessness. It's, it's not feeling that you have any place, any role. But faith is different. Faith is different. We even see it in David's prayer. You know, again, when we think about self-reliance, self-dependence, I want to point you to verse 14. The very end. And, and David, he sums this up. And what does he say? He says, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Strength for David was expressed in waiting. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. And he repeats it. Wait for the Lord. Wait. Man, so often I live right here and I, I want to force things. Patience and waiting in my leadership and living is often a weakness. And really what I'm doing is I'm always reacting always reacting to a situation. And so if, if you can relate to this at all, here's a question I want you to think about. Maybe write down and consider in these situations when you have fear-inducing moments, a question to ask yourself, am I reacting in light of my strength or responding in light of God's strength? Am I reacting or am I responding? Response, responding in light of God's strength, it's, it's thoughtful. It's not impulsive. It's measured. You may have heard the, the line, measure twice, cut once. Is that how you say it? I'm, sometimes I butcher these sayings up here. Yes, good, I got it. Like cutting through hot butter. No, it's a hot knife through butter, right? Isn't that how it's supposed to be? I don't know, but measure twice, cut once. You know, sometimes I cut, I don't even measure. No measuring. Problem, answer. Just impulse. And that can cause problems. It can cause problems. In a number of ways. I mean, one of the ways we can see it in social media is something of the latest thing and outrage. And you think, oh, the world needs to know my opinion. And so I'm going to weigh in. And then the facts start coming in. And oh, wow, it's, there's other views on the situation. You know, responding isn't just impulsive, quick reaction. It, it's measured. It's measured. Others of us, though, we might be more self-depreciating inactive, lack of ownership. A verse here, a reminder in verse 11, David says, he's praying to God. I love this. He said, look at how he, one of the ways he's wanting to relate to God. He says, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path. David in his prayer is wanting God to guide him, to lead him. David's prayer is not, here are the problems, God, I did my part. David, he's praying, and in his prayer, he's saying, God, where take me. There's a journey. Lead me. Guide me, God. Some of us, we might be prone to inaction and call it waiting on God. A question here to consider. Am I refraining in light of my strength or am I engaging in light of God's strength? Am I using patience 
as a means of not engaging something that God may be leading me to engage. You know, it says measure twice and cut once. Some of us measure a thousand times. And we never cut. Faith works. It works in light of God's power. David's praying. He's dependent on God. He's relying on God. But that leads him on a path. There's work to be done. But then also, again, how can we have faith in the midst of fear? It needs to be personalized. That personalization gets applied to our work. But then also, it delights. It pursues. It delights in God's presence. It gazes at the beauty of God. It's motivated by God's presence. It's motivated by God's goodness. Look back again in verse 4 after David speaks of God as his light and salvation and refuge, and then he recounts some of the pains in his life. Look at what he says in verse 4. He says, one thing I asked of the Lord. I find this amazing, right? What, what would you ask God in your great pain? He says, that I will seek after. God, help me to seek you says that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. You know, when he says that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, David has in mind the temple, but not the physical temple. David's not thinking, man, I'm in danger. If I could just be in the safe confines of the tabernacle and the temple then it would be good. No, the temple represented God's presence. And David is saying, oh, that I could experience the beauty of the presence of God all the days of my life. And I will offer in this tent sacrifices, shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. In the midst of fear, David wants to experience God's presence. Fears teach us something about life. They teach us something. Fears and anxieties, they grip us and they become personal. And maybe, maybe an anxiety or fear you might be feeling, if you think of it on the surface, there's a fire underneath that's leading to the smoke that we experience as fear. Maybe you have your fear, you're afraid of failure, afraid of humiliation. Or maybe you're someone who might experience fear of rejection, fear of someone turning you away or abandonment, someone leaving when, when they should be present. These fears and emotions, they show a fire underneath. There's something underneath that we're longing for. And what David does is he brings his fear to God, but he is not going to be defined by this fire that produces the smoke of fear. He's going to be defined by the truth of God's presence and then allow that to produce a fruit in his life. You see, when you think of fear of failure, we long, we long to be accepted. When you think of the fear of rejection, we long to belong. It's our human longings. 
When you think of the fear of abandonment, we long for unconditional love, for someone to say, Jay, you don't. You are welcomed here, not because you have the most amount of faith in the world or because you have the strength to defeat Goliath. You are welcomed here because I am your God and I created you in my image and I love you. That is how God looks at you and he looks at me. The beauty of his grace, the beauty of his love. When David now sees his enemies, when he looks at them, he's gazing at the beauty of God's justice. When David thinks about and looks at the rejection from his family, he sees it through the beauty of God's gracious acceptance in the gospel. Do you see the beauty of God? The beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, as we think about what the Bible is, the Bible, the Bible is not fundamentally a collection of stories of people like David. I mean, you might hear it talked about this way. Might have even heard sermons about how you can have faith like Goliath. You can be just like Goliath. So if you get the right stones, you know, and we're all out there looking for these right stones, and where's this giant Philistine? When's he going to show up? And what am I going to do? That's not fundamentally what the Bible is about. The Bible is a collection of stories that tell one overarching narrative, and it is that there is a true and greater David, and his name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus defeated the greatest Goliath. A Goliath that you and I have no chance to stand against. That is Satan and death itself. Jesus entered into the tomb, a rock much bigger than what David used, and he pushed it back, victorious over death, so that we could walk in life. Our faith is in And the beauty of that good news, that it's not up to us and our great acts of faith and valor, it is us dependent and looking at the gracious good news and work of God. And friends, when that that story grips you, you know, we, we started, we opened up, we said, fear is powerful. Fear is powerful. It will... It's why it's all a message always used in political campaigns. We all say we don't want the negative ads, but they come because they work. God wants to inspire you not with fear, but with hope and love. And when you get connected to his story of grace, the power is so strong. The power is so strong. You, you don't fight out of fear like Saul did, who would hurt someone trying to help them. You don't just Grit it down and fight. You don't run to just preserve yourself. You actually run into the chaos to help others. And you don't freeze up. (laughs) You don't freeze up. But you have a joy in the midst of suffering. Is the gospel gripping your heart, enabling you to have faith in the fears of life? May we be a church that brings our fears to God (laughs) because circumstances have happened 
are happening and will happen that are fearful. But in the midst of those pains, may we personalize our faith, may we work out our faith, and may we in faith see the beauty of God's gospel. Let's pray. God, thank you for being a God who is engaged in our world. And many of us, if we're honest, we, we, we wrestle with believing that's true sometimes. And so, God, I ask that you would just, you would personalize this for us. That you would grant us the courage to pray and talk to you and to ask, God, would you, would you be personal would you give us the eyes to see your personal work and, and the faith to walk with you in it? And God, even in the moments when you are silent, even in those times, may we see the loud call and clarifying voice of your gospel that speaks love and grace and truth. And may that message message of love, message of hope, message of grace be the powerful, motivating call on our life, not fear. Amen.